if I don't know you, if this is your first time here, uh, my name is Stephanie Herber, and um, a lot of you guys know I'm married to Robert, our lead pastor, um, but there's, there's probably several things that you don't know about me, and so I'm going to share a few things. Um, first of all, as a little girl, um, I was a struggling artist. I have a picture this morning. Um, I actually loved art. Um, that was actually my major in college, graphic design. Um, and I also, um, I wanted to be a veterinarian. I loved animals. Um, and I was obsessed with Wonder Woman. I still am, as you'll see today. Um, but just would lo I loved putting the aluminum foil around my wrist and my head and fighting off the bad guys in my house just really wanted to be her. So um, I loved uh, all things spy, like I wanted to be a spy. And I didn't really like to read much, but if it was a spy book, I was in. Um, I loved the Nancy Drew mysteries, love mysteries. Um, so one of my big strengths as a kid, I call it a strength, um, you might call it a weakness, was I was very focused, or you could say maybe strong-willed. Um, but I was very focused. And so I would get focused on certain things and you couldn't change my mind. So in third grade, I had this incredible idea that I was going to wear a bandana around my head like this. And it was going to be the most amazing thing. And I was going to be like the coolest in school. So you could not change my mind about it. So I just, I wanted you to see it because um, even at Halloween, when I was in my M&M costume, you better believe I had my bandana. I actually, guys, I don't know if any of you had these weird quirks, but I actually felt naked without my bandana. That is weird, okay? But I actually remember thinking, like, I cannot go out the house without my bandana. Well, I want to show you my third grade class because I also want you to see that no one else was doing this, okay? <laughs> like, no one else has a bandana on their head. It's just me. But somehow... It was the best thing ever. Okay. Apparently, I'm not into trends. I'm like, come on, guys. This is, why isn't anyone else catching on? <laughs> anyway, um, and parents, I just want to say, if you have one of these focused children, um, unfortunately, my mom was at the service before, but we can pray for you, okay? We can minister to you, parents, because it's not easy to have a focused child. Um, well, fast forward... Um, at 18, I have an encounter with God in TJ, in Tijuana, and I experienced the presence of God in such a powerful way, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, Stephanie, it's time to live fully for me or fully for the world, and he begins to unpack a journey um, that he has for me that's going to be amazing, um, but it will cost me everything, and so I was just overcome and said, yes, Lord, I'm in. And the Lord was speaking about transferring colleges. And so two weeks later from my encounter, I transferred colleges, and I was off on an adventure with God. And today, um, as my love for the arts is still with me, or for art and the arts, um, and my love now for not all animals, but a lot of animals, um, is still with me and my passion for Wonder Woman um, and wanting to still be a spy someday. Um, I actually um, find myself as your um, executive pastor of adults and family in early life. So 
You never know on your adventure what the Lord invites you to do. So as you guys know at All Peoples, um, <clears throat> we do not have a lack of focus. We have a very clear vision statement. We want you to get rocked by God, get real with each other, and we want you to give it away. And we have a purpose statement alongside that vision. This is transforming lives to bless San Diego, planting churches to transform nations. And then we have this mission statement. And we get our mission statement out of Luke 4, 18. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on us to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We are on mission with Jesus. Jesus is the definition of focus. Um, he came with purpose and on mission. And I believe the, one of the keys for Jesus fulfilling his mission was his oneness with the Father, his intimacy, his submission to the Father. Well, I want to further highlight this Luke 418 moment because actually um, this is a very profound moment for us um, <clears throat> in our history as the people of God. And um, so in this moment, Jesus is actually in the, the synagogue in Nazareth and he's handed the scroll in Isaiah. And he begins to read out of Isaiah 61 this proclamation of freedom. And then he says, today, this word, okay, so this prophetic word that Isaiah had prophesied 700 years earlier, Jesus is at now actually saying at the end, he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It's a big moment. The Messiah has come, and I have fulfilled this word, and I'm bringing a proclamation of freedom. There's freedom for us because Jesus came. Now, I, I want to um, also remind you of the events that led up to this moment. So about 40 days earlier, Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River, and then Marcus actually mentioned it last week. God comes on the loudspeaker and says, this is my son who, with whom I am well pleased. And he actually is anointed by the Father. The Holy Spirit comes down on him like a dove. And then, so it, it's just this epic moment. And then he gets sent out to the desert on a 40-day fast. That doesn't really sound that fun. It's 40 days of temptation from the enemy. Well, if we remember... The, this is, there was a similar pattern. The people of God, years earlier, were, um, were in slavery to the Egyptian people. And God actually anointed Moses to lead his people out of a place of slavery into a place of freedom. And it happens, an epic day, songs are rising in the place of freedom, and then the desert for actually for hundred years. So there's this freedom moment and then into the desert, a time of testing and temptation. Well, we know that Jesus goes on to die on the cross and says, it is done. It is finished. He defeated the power of sin and death. 
So we have this proclamation of freedom. We have God's power because of what he did on the cross. And yet, maybe you came here Sunday morning, June 25th, sitting on this wonderful cozy black chair, and yet you still feel this tension. You're, you're waiting for the promised land. You're waiting for that proclamation of freedom to come to pass in your life. Or maybe you've actually seen windows of that, but there's more. You know there's more. Maybe for you, actually, it was even hard to show up here this morning. Maybe you've been hurt by people in this room. Maybe you're barely hanging on by a thread. You don't even like yourself anymore. But yet there is a proclamation of freedom that you've stepped into. Years ago, I had this prophetic dream God gave me, um, and I was in my car, and a friend drove up really fast. Her name was Courtney. She drove up next to my car, and she had a check for me. She handed me the check, and on the check, in all caps, it said, OVERCOMER. Obviously, I woke up the next morning with such expectancy of what God was going to do in my life. He was going to stamp me as an overcomer. But there were so many times in the coming years that I felt like that check that God gave me to cash in with him was returning void in my life. So many moments that I wondered, God, I know you spoke this. I know this is a promise. But man, I feel like I'm still in the desert. When, God? When? You know, if we look back at Isaiah 61 again, we just begin to see this, this freedom, this proclamation um, fleshed out a little more. We see this beautiful exchange that is to happen in our lives. We see comfort in the places of mourning. We see a crown of beauty in the place of ashes the oil of joy instead of our mourning and a garment of praise instead of our despair. And then we're given this visual of who we are to become this oak of righteousness. We, we are to become oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That's incredible. But again, some of us are just barely making it here this morning. And sure, Lord, I'd gladly be an oak of righteousness, but I can barely make it through my days. So how, as the people of God, do we persevere to see our lives become what God has called us to become in our land and be a display of his splendor. And currently we are in this supernatural series and we've been unpacking the different gifts, which I know so many of you guys have been blessed by. And actually there's some powerful testimonies of your lives during this series where you've gotten a prophetic word or a promise or God spoke a word of knowledge and it's just brought fresh life. And we, we actually need God's power. And we need those gifts in our life. It's made such a difference for me and my friendship with God. It really changed so much. It became an adventure. You kind of do feel like Wonder Woman and Wonder Man. Wonder Man. I don't know. I don't know what the man name is, but 
Superman. Superman. Oh, that's right. That, he is a cool guy. Superman. It just makes you feel like, yeah. Anyway. Um, however, and I, I, I want to say we, we really are thrilled just because people are growing in, in their gifts. You know, it's so, it's amazing as God gives us the gift of salvation. There's more gifts inside of all these precious gifts of leadership, mercy, generosity, the prophetic, the speaking in tongues, um, healing, all, all these precious gifts that we want to utilize. We, we need them to become the oaks of righteousness. However, what I think is more important that we focus on as a church is the most excellent way. And we see that at the end of Paul unpacking the gifts in chapter 12, verse 31 and 13, 1. It says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Look, I'm thrilled that we're growing in all the gifts, but if we do not walk in the most excellent way, people actually don't even want your gifts. They actually don't. You will be like a clanging gong. Not that I can really do that sound, but I wish I had one. I don't really know where to find one, but that is what you will sound like. That's just it. No one can find one. No one wants to be. Okay, anyway, I'm just kidding. If you play gong, we love you. We love you here. Okay. And what is the most excellent way? Well, we see that in chapter 13, verse 13. Now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Let me say that again. I'm not convinced. You guys, the, the greatest of these is? Yes, it is the greatest of these. So let me unpack that. Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance for what we do not see. If faith were easy, everyone would be choosing faith. However, faith is not just for me to walk in. Faith is not just for Chloe to walk in. It is not just for Kayla to walk in. It is for each one of us here in this room that has said yes to Jesus. Faith is for each one of us. And every day we can take steps of faith in our life with God. So what does that look like? Well, for you today, maybe for some of you, faith was actually coming to all people's church. Actually, maybe you didn't want to come, but you chose to come because you believe that it's important to gather with the people of God. That God does something when we gather as his people corporately. That is faith. We are all here today by faith. And sometimes we discount our small steps of faith that actually lead to the big of what God wants to do in our lives. Faith for me every day is getting up and saying, God, I want to know you. And I get before him, I read scriptures, I listen, I fall in love with who he is. That is a step of faith I take every day. Faith is giving your first 10%. When that paycheck comes in, 
God, I give you my first because I trust you with my finances. Whether it all works out in my budget or not, it doesn't matter. I give you my first. That is faith. That is a step of faith. Maybe for you, faith is showing up on Thursday nights to the Journey of Freedom group because you are trusting that community is powerful and you need not only God's presence in your life, but also the people of God's presence in your life to help you overcome and get to the promised land. Maybe faith for you today when you get home with your family is being slow to speak and quick to listen. That is faith because the scripture says, be slow to speak and quick to listen. Maybe faith for you is not joining the gossip circle at the school, needing to know everything that's happening around the school because you're trusting that actually gossip hurts people's lives and brings division. You know, all these steps, these three that remain have an adversary, and I believe that an adversary to our faith is fear. The scripture actually says that we are no longer slaves to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption. So we are no longer slaves to fear, yet fear can still be present in our lives. We can still have places of fear, right? It just doesn't happen overnight sometimes, getting free from different places of fear. I mean, it can happen in a moment, but we've got to walk those things out in our lives. Many of you guys know Kimberly Schroeder. She was in the last service, incredible woman of God in our church, dear friend of mine. When Kimberly graduated from college years ago, she got a job at a bank. She became a credit analyst. And one day when she was at work, uh, three armed gunmen came into her workplace. They had the ski masks on and the whole deal. And she was um, pushed to the ground, um, forced under her desk. And she was staring at this blue, swirly, commercial-grade carpet as these guys were in the bank robbing it. At one point, one of the guys put even a gun up to her head. Well, by the grace of God, they, they left eventually, and she was unharmed. And years later, she, um, she, was in, uh, she came to World Mandate, our missions conference here that we put on, we now call Commission. And um, J.T. Thomas was sharing a message on racial reconciliation. And at the end of his message, he just said, hey, I want you to come forward if this, 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 or this. And one of the things he said was, if you've ever been robbed at gunpoint. Well, that caught her attention. And she's like, hmm, well... I guess I'll go down, but Lord, I don't really know why I'm going down to the front, and I don't really understand what you want to do. Well, she goes down, she gets on her knees, and she puts her face to the ground, and she says, Lord, what do you want to do in this moment? She opens her eyes, and she's actually staring at the same blue, swirly, commercial-grade carpet. And at that moment, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to her heart and said, you've been staring at this carpet for 10 years. It's time to get up and walk in freedom. And he broke a yoke of fear 
off her life. That day for Kimberly, faith was coming forward at the end of the message. Sometimes it's faith that gets you out of your seat to come forward. And we just discount that that's actually faith. It takes faith to come down. And God broke a year, a yoke of fear off her life. What does faith look like for you today? The next step that we can daily take is hope. Hope. We need hope. And we can't separate hope from the person of Jesus. Jesus is hope. The scripture says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. First Peter 1.3 says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope. Our hope is alive. <clears throat> so how do we take steps of hope in our lives? You know, maybe you, um, you got saved. You said, yes, I believe in, in Jesus. I want him to be Lord of my life. And you've walk, tried to walk in his ways and do things according to scripture and just walk in friendship the best you, you know how. And you've chosen hope, but maybe you have been so disappointed in places when you were trusting God, but you didn't feel like he showed up for you. Maybe, maybe you, maybe God spoke about buying a home, like a specific home, and you didn't get that house. And it brought a lot of, of disappointment. Maybe you had a diagnosis that brought a lot of disappointment in your life. There in this room is represent, this room represents so much disappointment. I mean, I could put my own disappointment on the table and it would be a lot, but man, if we all came forward and just heaped our disappointment on a big trailer, it would be very weighty in this room. God knows that disappointment is part of our journey. And as the people of God, we don't need to pretend like, oh, no, we don't deal with disappointment as God's people. Well, of course we do. We really, really do. And that disappointment carries various levels of pain at times. <clears throat> Maybe you've lost a spouse in here or a child, and that pain is deep. Hebrews 5.8, it says, Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Jesus is familiar with your suffering. He is familiar. And the enemy loves to come at those opportune times of our pain and our disappointments and disconnect us with the person of Jesus. Because if he can disconnect us with the person of Jesus, he, he, can, he can wipe out some hope. Obviously, you always carry hope. Jesus never leaves you, nor forsakes you, so your hope is always there, but it's like it buries our hope. <clears throat> I remember um, at, I was at a camp with my daughter last summer, and 
God had really uh, done a work with disappointment in my heart. I had been carrying 20 years of disappointment that I didn't know I was still still carrying, and he he broke um, the the hold it had on my life. At times, I would try to take steps of faith, but I would shrink back because of fear that I was going to be disappointed um, and not sure that God would show up in the place of my risk. And um, God was really dealing with my disappointment and taking that um, from me. Um, but at this ranch, he said, hey, I want to invite you to leave your unbelief here at this ranch because you see in the places of your disappointment, there were their um, unbelief as well grew up among the disappointment. And I want you to leave your unbelief here at the camp. Sometimes in our places of pain and disappointment, um, unbelief can grow up with it. And that's so powerful when we have these encounters with Jesus because when unbelief wants to creep back in, I go back to that moment in the ranch and I say, no, I left it. That's no longer for me. My hope is Jesus. So what does hope look like for you today, your steps of hope? Maybe your step of hope today is reading Psalm 23 over yourself and reading it tomorrow and reading it the next day because Jesus is actually your chief shepherd. And um, actually, I want to show this, um, the hope clip. In Colossians 1.5, it actually says, faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for us in heaven. I think so So often the enemy goes after our hope because faith and love spring forth from it. So if he can try to wipe out your hope, your connect with Jesus, then it's hard for faith and love to spring up from it. I um, maybe, maybe a step of hope for you today is getting before the Lord and listening for his voice again trusting that his voice is kind and patient and gentle. The enemy wants to disconnect you to the person of Jesus. I remember at this camp, I actually, um, they had us do, I was with my daughter. It was like kind of a parent-child thing. And they had us do this exercise where you had to um, look at your child and you had to both stare at each other for two minutes. Now, Two minutes maybe doesn't sound like a long time to you, but that is so awkward. And actually, it was really funny because one of the moms and daughters was like, no, we, no, we are not doing that. Um, but so we're staring at each other for so long. And I do want to say, when you look at someone and when you make eye contact with them and you smile, you release a lot of, it releases a lot of serotonin in your brain when you receive that. So that's a good thing. But man, two minutes? That is awkward. It's actually, it kind of moves into like, that's creepy. Like you wouldn't want to like stare at someone here for two minutes, right? But I'll tell you, it actually broke something. Like it was so powerful, even just for my daughter and I's friendship. And, uh, you know, we as the people of God are called to look at Jesus. The scripture says, Look at Jesus. He is, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And sometimes we need to take step of hope by looking at the eyes of Jesus. I want to encourage you to find scriptures that talk about who Jesus is and find reconnection with Jesus. Sometimes in our pain, we kind of go up here. We live from here. 
analytical place. Yes, I do this because this is what Jesus says. But actually, he wants you to live from here. This is where you start to feel it down here in the heart. The heart is from which we believe. The heart is where we find reconnect with the person of Jesus. And so I want to encourage you not to be afraid of the pain and the disappointment, but to sit with Jesus from a place of your heart and believing again that he is with you, that he is your shepherd, that he wants to speak to you. He leads his sheep by his voice. Well, the last and most important step that we can take daily is love. Love is the greatest of these. And we don't look at the world to find out what love is. We will sadly be disappointed. But God is love, and he shows us what love is. I don't have time to read all of of 1 Corinthians 13 about love, but you can do that. And love, if we do not have love, like I said before, we can operate in these gifts. But man... People won't want it. They won't want it if it doesn't come from a place of us knowing our love from the Father and God teaching us to love others. As a mom, man, I I didn't have to um, work up this love that I had for my children automatically from the beginning. I mean, I loved them before I even saw them, before they even came out. And how much more does the Father love you? Before you were even here on earth, he loved you, he created you, he formed you. And we forget that actually a taking a step of love by either reading the scriptures over us about the love of God or just simply believing it or simply receiving his delight is a huge step that we are to take daily. Why so often do we entertain the thoughts of the enemy's place of hate towards us instead of the love of the Father? And love is what changes us. Love is what holds our destiny and marks us. I remember um, when I was a freshman at University of Illinois, and I was rushing to be in a sorority. So you go early at the beginning of the year, and you go to all these parties. So U of I actually had a huge Greek system. There were lots of different sorority and fraternity houses. And so Um, During this week, you spend about like a 30-minute time at each one of these houses, and you're with all the girls in the the sorority, and you chat with different ones, and and then you decide, like, do I like them? And then they decide, do they like you? It's just awesome. (laughs) Totally great. So you narrow it down, like, as you go, nope, don't like them, don't want to be friends with them. Or they were like, don't want to be friends with her. It's just really beautiful. So um, anyway, uh, at the end of this time, you kind of land on your one, two, and three choice. And they land on their choices. And then you go to bid day. And at bid day, you pick up your card to see, did you get your first choice? 
they chose you. And I pick up my bid card like, yes, I'm like feeling good about this. Love my first choice. Don't want my second or third, but don't need to worry about that. Look at the card and my heart sinks. I got my second choice. They didn't choose me. Wow. They didn't choose me. And I left that bid day room and I wept my head off. In fact, I wept for probably at least 24 hours. My roommate was so over my tears. She's like, can we please move on? I'm like, you got your first choice. I did not. Give me space. Well, you just pick up the pieces as much as you can, know how to do. And I, I was not walking in friendship with God at that time. And uh, life goes on. I actually then later that summer have an encounter with God, transfer universities. So didn't even matter about this Rody thing. Uh, well, fast forward, I was in my 30s and I'm spending time with the Lord. Took, took my step of faith, spending time with the Lord that day. And he brings bid day to mind. And I'm like, Lord, really? We're going to go back to bid day? Um, and he said, yeah, I want to heal a place in your heart. And so I'm like, okay. And, and God actually wanted to show me where Jesus was in the room that day, during bid day. And maybe today you have a place of pain that you weren't even aware of because it's been shoved down. And God might want to reveal to you where Jesus was that day. Well, for me, um, Jesus was standing at the cards. And I walked up, and actually Jesus handed me a new bid card. And on that card was a scripture and a promise. And I just began to weep. And it just began to wipe away the old sting of rejection, the bid card that was never mine. And he gave me his bid card of acceptance. And it was powerful. The enemy of love is rejection. The enemy hates you. He wants you to, he actually wants you on a Sunday morning to come here and feel rejected. And sometimes we need to press through and realize that is the enemy. People here love you. We love you. And obviously what's most important, God loves you. And he has powerful relationships for you in this place. I actually want to show, um, I want to show you um, a <clears throat> clip from Wonder Woman. Okay. And just to give a quick little, I don't know if I need to say too much about this, but um, Steve is about to head out on a plane and he's going to help save people. He's going to take the bombs over the water and kill himself. So um, I'm going to show this real quick, quick uh, clip here out of Wonder Woman. <clears throat> Thank you. 
Steve, whatever it is, I can no, do it. No, Let no. Let me do it. It has to be me. It has to be me. I can save today. You can save the world. I wish we had more time. I love you. You're wrong about them. They're everything you say, but so much more. focus is Jesus, and we believe that there is a proclamation of freedom over our lives, that we are to become oaks of righteousness in this land for a display of his splendor. And we need the gifts. We need to walk in his power, but we need even more to walk in the most excellent way by taking daily steps of faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. 